Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Chef Life uh, by Cottage Foods. I'm here today with Mark at the Owl and Leeds. Hi Mark. Hi, how you doing? You alright? Good, good, yeah, good. So yeah, just uh, we've been working with you now probably, what, just over a year? Sounds about right, yeah, yeah just so, around there. So we started with Liz at home and then met you through that connection there and then, um, yeah, you, and since then you've moved sites again, so this is what your third site with Owl? Yeah, so we started, well, we, me and uh, Liz opened home and from there we opened the Owl in the market. Uh, then, then through COVID and other reasons, we found the market wasn't right size for us, and we wanted to expand what we're doing and give a better offering. Uh, so we found this site here, Mustard Wharf, which is just down by the canal. And but the site wasn't ready until there was like a three month gap, so we had to find an interim um, place uh, between the market and here. And we moved into Holmes' old venue yeah. and popped up there for a bit, and then we opened up here. May last year, 2022, and we've been trading here for about a year now, really, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful space, to be fair, like, in terms of just the outlay and things. How many covers are you getting in here? So we aim for about 56 covers. That's like our maximum uh, sit-down we can do. Um, we do have some space outside for casual dining, so we do like a grazing tray offering, yeah. which is like slightly larger than snacks, so it's kind of like pick and mix, you know, like you can just have a beer, have some crumpets, have some oysters. So it's quite simple and relaxing. And then we do more of our dining offer inside. So lunch, dinner, yeah, tasting menus. Awesome. And do you find that in terms of customers, what they buy more of is the tasting menus or? So I think what I really like about you versus some of our other customers, I feel your tasting menu changes are quite push the boundaries. Don't tend to say too safe for that. I quite like the variety that you offer. So what we find is like, um, we do our, Basically, we do like an a la, we do an a la carte, which is set a set price, but you can but um, but you choose what you want each course. So depending on what the occasion is, some people who are just coming out every week, every two weeks, will go for the a la carte, and then people who want a special occasion or go for the set menu. But it's just variety, so we try to offer um, different things for different people. So we're a bit more flexible what we can offer people, so they yeah. it, it meets all their needs. Yeah, I think there's, there's something in that we we found I was talking with Nathan the other week and. What I find really interesting at the moment is this sort of, I know you guys aren't a country pub, but that almost, you can have a standard menu meal yeah. mixed in with a taste menu, if that's what you want. And I think offering those ends of the spectrum are starting to work really well across a number of sort of restaurant platforms. Um, we're finding with like good country dining is kind of working well with some of our customers. And again, that inner city, I mean, you know, in terms of leads and stuff, I think you guys offer something really different. Yeah, um, we, we try to. We try to be as, we try Try to be as flexible as we can be. So not every diner is the same. So some people are coming in and they're coming in for something quick. So we offer that. And some people are coming in for something uh, like the, you know, the, the, the meal out every two weeks with their friends, the family, and we offer something for that. And then some people are, it's something a bit more special, a celebration, something they yeah. can really enjoy. And we offer that as well. Uh, we try to make sure that everything we do is the same standard so it doesn't matter what you come in and you get so if you come in and get a crumpet that's the best we possibly can do awesome and if you come and get a taste menu is the best we possibly can do yeah. it doesn't matter what you're getting we want it to be the best it can be yeah that's oh, the right way to approach any any business really you know it it's funny that translates into us you know i want to offer you the best possible product of the best service you know? 
Um, and I think that's what stands the test of time. Exactly. Well, it starts there. Everything starts with the product. So if the raw product's good, then yeah. everything that falls off it will be good because you can't start with bad foundations. Yeah. So that's why we work with you guys. You'd, you'd be surprised, though. Just, the, the amount of people we've met over the years where price, and it's hard running a business, I, I totally understand it, but price becomes such a factor that quality slips, but then yeah. the headline price for the consumer is still quite high. Yeah. And you're like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can stand by that um, in terms of what your sort of values are, you know, as a, as a business. Well, I find at the moment it's kind of, mis- everything's a bit, mis- inflation's misleading in the sense of, if I go to McDonald's and I buy a Big Mac meal, it's only a pound more. Yeah. But people don't really see the maths in it. They see, oh, it's only a pound, but they don't realize it's gone up 25%. Exactly. And if I sell a meal for 50, 50 pound or 100 pound, whatever, and I put it at 25%, Twenty-five pounds, yeah. and you go, oh, how do you put your price at twenty-five pounds? Because it's it's, it's not relative. Uh, it's, it's relative. Yeah. So people don't always see that. So we're like at the moment, that's like that. Trying to. I, I think that's quite interesting because my, my background's food manufacturer. I work for a number of brands, going into more FMCG, sort of Tesco, Asda, and stuff. And, and it was it was always interesting when the horsegate thing happened. I felt the consumers were so shocked, and I'm like, well, you're expecting to buy eight beef burgers for less than a quid. You know, the farmer's got to make money, Tesco got to make their money. You know, everyone's got to earn and the cow needs to be raised and all this stuff. Yeah. And I think there's a real disconnect. And I don't think that's ever changed between what people, what the work you guys put in in the kitchen and the quality of ingredients that you're using and the, the price to run the business and for them to have that experience, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Mackie's like you say, it's all relative because it's low end, yeah. high price increase doesn't. People don't really understand. Like, English, England as a country don't understand food. We're terrible with food in the sense of, like if you go to France or go to Italy or go to these places, they have farmers markets and they go and buy something and they understand that there's a lot of effort got into that and they want to use the best stuff. But, you know, you, you go to Morrison's, Tesco's or whatever and you want a, a chicken breast for the lowest possible price. Yeah. But you don't realise the, the thing that goes into it isn't great. because. Yeah. Everything's relative. If you don't put any investment into something, then you won't get anything out of it. So if you put the minimum amount of money into food, then the end result will be minimal as well. Yeah, yeah. No. But they, people don't really see that, and they should. No, it's, the, the, I think there's a, there's, a big, I think there's a big disconnect overall with people's relationship with food and stuff. And, and it's, been, it's been quite interesting for me going from dealing with the retailers, and I've dealt with some excellent buyers there, then coming over and dealing with people of your calibre, where, you know, Quality is absolutely everything, whereas there was always a balance between quality and price. Yeah. And price was generally the 99% driving factor. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, that really sort of ignites passion, especially with, with what we do. So, but I've jumped ahead quite a bit. So do you want to tell people where you've kind of come from, how you've got here? And... Yeah, so when I, so I started out uh, at school, decided I wanted to be a chef. So I went awesome. to um, work, so I went to college at Thanet College, which is one of the best uh, colleges down south. Yeah. And then from there, I did, I went and did some work experience off my own back uh, at La Gavroche and Waterside Inn. Nice. Both of those. So, uh, and then from that, I got offered a job in London at La Gavroche. I worked there for a bit. And then I uh, came back to work <laughs> in Kent, around Kent. So I worked a few places around Kent, uh, you know, Rosettes, Ambition. It's a good scene down there as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was all right. It's all right. It's, it's, it's getting a lot better. It was, it was okay, but then it's now it's getting a lot better. Um, it's it's weird like where i'm from it's there's there's a lot of chain places so it's right. that whole uh um, drinking and yeah so so it's not always the best places you have to go 
like where I'm from, Maidstone, it's like there's this town, and then around the town areas, there's more independent places that offer better options. So yeah, it's less. There's less good places down in Kent, but you so you have to look a lot harder to find them. Yeah, but there are good places, so you should be clever with that. And then from there, I got um, I got offered uh, to work with someone I worked for to open a, a restaurant and hotels and rooms in Cyprus. So I went worked there for a couple of years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I lived there for two years, and then um, came back and just went up north. North went to the Star at Harem. It's like uh, worked yeah. worked as a senior sous chef there, and then uh, time was right to move on to uh, to pursue something myself. So I I went and um, took an executive chef job, uh, uh, kind of like a gastro pub group called uh, the Fleece uh, Craven Heifer in Addingham, and was there for a few years, and then uh, got offered. Uh, position as head chef at the the box tree and so I did that for a few more years yeah. uh, got the kept the star there you know all, awesome all, all, all yeah all the stuff that yeah. uh, things tells and then from there I uh, met my business partner Liz and we opened home restaurant in Leeds and then this and then uh, the owl and Cora in Boston Spa and then yeah. that's now that's where you're at yeah it's now rapid journey so how did you find Cyprus versus what you've done down south Quite a change, or uh, yeah. So it was kind of so when I went there, I was playing football a lot, and I, I ripped my ACL on my knee. So it it wasn't built yet, so it took like five months to build. So I was recovering while wow. planning and stuff. So it was actually quite serendipitous, essentially, because I got paid basically to recover, which was good. Yeah. Uh, and then it, the it was really good being in Cyprus, uh, but being a, a, a like an island, it had a lot of um, like I found it hard to get ingredients infrastructure wasn't really great there so it was a lot harder to get stuff we needed so um yeah there's more of a focus on traditional food out there like yeah so there was like there was so yeah it was like three different styles of food there was like old traditional um like kleftiko meze eating which was like from the turkish and greek influence to the island and then there was there was a real kind of western influence food so like a really uh like the hotels are really western and um kind of high end but with a really high price point and we were trying to be somewhere in the middle um so yeah so there was, uh, so that was kind of what they did they also did there was also there was a a really high um like so it's the best way to explain it's kind of like a chain restaurant style of food where it's more for tourists so it's okay. like it's really simple and you know, like it's just steak and chips and, and you other stuff, accessible yeah. stuff. So there was like kind of three kind of styles of food, something really traditional, something really Western, like high end and something that kind of was like, kind of more like a version of a chain restaurant. So, yeah. did, did you find, so, so we were sort of one of the big catalysts for us changing our range and sort of moving a bit more in it. Worked with a really cool chef called Thomas Lebaski, Greek chap, uh, worked in Wakefield, gone back to Greece now, unfortunately, but he really opened my eyes to a lot of their cuisine. Um, and uh, yeah, it's my favorite place to travel now to eat, to, to be honest. But um, I really like their food, their traditional food and, and, and all that behind it. And again, going back to what we were saying earlier around that quality of ingredient, you know, I have faith almost without seeing who the restaurants purchased off that. It's legit gear. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll know the farm, they'll know the dairy, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I kind of fell in love with Greek food. From meeting Thomas, um, but would you say have you taken anything from that time 
and sort of brought it with you? Uh, yeah, so the the raw ingredient, uh, simple simple flavors around those ingredients is, is something they really uh, like to do. Um, look, you had to be really local with your farmers and your suppliers because there wasn't a supply chain. Yeah. So you had to do it. So using local suppliers, working with what's available to you around you is basically kind of our key key things we do. So I'd say, yeah, that that's mainly kind of things I took from it. Yeah, interesting. And would you, from that experience, would you travel again to Chef or? or... I mean, I probably can't now because I'm kind of a position in life where I've got some things holding me here. <laughs> but <laughs> if, I, if I had my time again, yeah, I'd do it again. It was interesting. It was great. I mean, the worst thing about it was the, the bit beforehand when you're, you know, you're thinking about all the things that can go right and can't go right. And it's like, it's like holding you back. But then as soon as you take a foot on the yeah. first foot on the plane and you're out there, you think to yourself, why do I ever think about yeah. this stuff? It's it's so easy and simple. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's, it's interesting. One of my best friends, Justin, he he, um, he lives in Texas now, but he lived with me for a bit. He's a flatmate. He broke up with his girlfriend, got offered a job to a friend out in Germany, spoke two words in German. He was like, fuck it. And similar to you, you know, yeah. he's quite intrepid about it. But then, yeah, got there, lived out in Germany for two years. Now he lives in, he's lived in New York, Texas. Like, he's traveled all over. And my ass awesome because you remember him being so nervy with it. But yeah. he just figured it out. It's, it's so easy. It's like, you just think, why, why would I ever, why do I ever think about this? It's easy. Yeah. And yeah, it's just one of those. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting looking from a different angle that um, work with Woodall Spa, Shane up there, great lady. She's Chinese. Her story was she went China to Australia, and that's a massive language barrier. Yeah. And then from Australia to Leeds, basically. Yeah. Um, and she was saying, you know, you that in Australia it was very much French-based cooking. Yeah. So a lot of lingo was in French, so she was trying to learn English and then French and then implement that in her work. And she was like, that was a bit of a head fuck. And I'm like, that's, that's the real testament. And I suppose similar to yourself, like, yeah. I imagine they're not speaking English in the kitchens, you're having to figure out Greek. And... Yeah, well, yeah, it, it definitely was like that. Uh, it was, it, well, the side I was on was the Turkish side, so it was, it was Turkish. But because, um, you know, like I said, the... the <laughs> Cyprus is an island, like a Mediterranean islands, and it's, um, you know, they say Yavas, Yavas, which is slowly, slowly, yeah. which everything they do is slowly, slowly. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're cousins in the council and someone else who's a family is doing something else. And, <laughs> right. and you have to get this permission to do that and that permission to do that. And they yeah. can't. And the other thing as well is because it's so hot during the day, they, they can't work from 11 to about 5 in the, wow. at night. So they have to stop for six hours because, you know, you're 40 degree plus weather, you know, you can yeah. seriously yeah, you'll die. <laughs> yeah dehydrate yeah. and have problems so everything was slow so i had like five six months of just basically planning so i, I got to learn the language and awesome and plan and and yeah. and do stuff that i or ordinary wouldn't have had chance to do so it worked out quite well for me awesome it was a real testament to experience that yeah and and then sort of taking your first steps from from that and then obviously come back working again over here taking your first steps to elizabeth home how did you find that going into your own business did you find challenges that you didn't foresee and uh yeah well yes it was it's a good learning curve and everything so i mean i'm fairly fearless in certain things like i don't always think about the problems i just kind of go ahead of them and and think, yeah. and plan and get things in the best possible state but generally i like to think those problems will sort themselves out if we yeah. plan properly exactly. so uh it was it was hard to start with like it, any new business it was it was hard you know like early starts late finishes not having enough staff, you know, and being in a new place, 
how do you how do you recruit how do you attract the level of staff you want for the ambition of what you're doing um so we had that and then we're also learning on the job what we're what we want to do you know it's you know you're a chef and then when you open a restaurant you're not just a chef you're a restaurateur which means you need to learn how the front of house works marketing works finances uh, recruitment and you know you go from knowing 15 20 percent to having to know another 100 percent yeah, yeah. and how do you get to that point um so it's a lot of trial and error uh, working with someone who knows a lot of stuff is always good because they're because you don't get experience without having and, experience and did you split that role with Liz? did she have certain skill sets and you had certain yeah skill sets? So i had certain skill sets and she had certain skill sets so from like the uh from the first thing like mainly development for the first six six to eight weeks like before we opened out I, I was doing a lot of that she was involved quite a lot but she was more involved in like the the, the marketing and other stuff but she'd show me how to do that and then I, yeah I, you know we'd work together on the on the um dev and then then it was like days they running the kitchen days they run the floor we got someone in the floor and we just kept adding people to the the team roster and have you found with this that so what i've found is so we've had cottage food just over six years now and i found i brought jennifer in as my business partner about six to eight months in we'd worked together previously but the the big thing for us has been staff getting yeah. the right people like rihanna naming for in the team now are excellent but kind of had to go through a lot of learnings with other people yeah um where they've not met our expectations the current team that that's made this business shine for us in terms of owning and things well he's exactly right yeah we've had we've had a lot of trial and error. we've had some people that we we've had a lot of people we thought would work out haven't worked out we've had people that have worked out but then their life yeah. changes and they have life things that have to and they can't work in leads anymore or whatever so you have to be able to roll with those punches I mean, yeah, it's, it's a constant learning curve. So you learn from each person. Certain people do certain things and you, you, you have to work out, is it carrot, is it stick, what this person needs. Not every person is the same. There's a general rule of how you want people to act and what you expect from them. But generally, it's, it, it does change with each person. You have to be a bit more... Uh, it's attitude and attitude, I've found. Yeah, I, I say that as well. Yeah, it's, 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 we, we don't generally higher on experience because no one's really got the experience that you need anymore and it's and it's really hard the, so when i was like a comedy chef or whatever i would have go for a job and there'd be five or six or seven people applying for the same job and they would have had at least the same experience or more than me so it was a challenge to show why i was the best person for that job sure and now you get lots you can get quite a few applicants for a job like five or six but the experience level is so 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 low and unrealistic unrealistic uh, ability level for the a position they're applying for and you have to be able to train them up to yeah be able to do what you want and it's a lot of investment in your time it is a lot of investment <laughs> so yeah it's gone from being maybe five or six for one job to sure. to one person for a job maybe so it's like it's 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 gone down so so and it, much. Are you finding that across? Because what I find interesting with all the, the, our restaurant customers, you, like you were saying earlier, you've got such a range of staff functions. You know, yeah, front of house and you know wine, and then all the different roles in the kitchen. Do you, are you taking that approach? Are you, sorry, are you finding people with a lack of experience across all functions? Um, find the front of house generally there we are a bit more lucky with front of house it finds it feels like the the skill set needs to be a good front of house person 
is is less technical stuff. Like cooking is more of a technical thing than a front of house position. Sure. So if we find the right person who has the right attitude, we're able to add skills to them a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, and they're more multifunctional, so it's easier to use them in in various different roles. Whereas if they're a chef position, it's more you know it's having the right attitude is part of it. Then there's like organizations, being able to organize yourself, be able to manage yourself. And then on top of it, it's like, right, can you can you cook? Can you taste? Can you do all these things? So there's a, there's a few more multifunctional things I find in the chefs. So it isn't always just the right attitude. So if, if, they're, if they're, they need to be able to learn quite well as well. Yeah. So having yeah, a good IQ always helps. Yeah. Um, be organized. And are you are you allowing the chefs to lead you a bit in terms of menu creation, or are you do you keep that? Uh, yourself? Well, we do. We have conversations all the time. What could be good in the menu? But the what I found lately is 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 that it's hard. Um, the like the younger chefs trying to get them to come up with ideas is quite difficult. The we, you, you, we what we tried to say this is this is the our restaurant. So the our restaurant has a tone, a theme, Absolutely. and how we do things in the menu. So you need to you need to understand what we do, and you have to work within those constructive constraints. And, and I heard a few people that come back with ideas that they just they don't fit within what we are. And so and you're trying to explain the, the uh, constructive way of like this idea is good, but you need to do this to this to it to make it fit within line of what we do. It's yeah. like if if it was lucky music time, I'm like we're a rock band, yeah, and you're bringing R and B to me or hip hop, yeah, you know. It can't go in this thing. You, yeah. you need to you need to change it around to fit within what we're doing. It's not to say the raw ingredients aren't right or your technique of cooking it isn't right, but you know the way you explain it, what you, the tempo, yeah, has to fit with what we're doing. Yeah. So that we do have those conversations all the time. Like generally, we're from a food dev point of view. We we've been working so long on different dishes and what we do. We generally have like our hero dishes that we really like, and then we just keep tweaking them. So we yeah. did it last year. This was this was the dish last year as it was. Right. What worked really well on it? Oh that did. What what could we improve on it? Oh that. And then we just we just kind of strip away the fat and then just Yeah, you're not reinventing the wheel every yeah, time. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to hone things. We are we we generally on our because our menus change every eight weeks. So generally on our menus there are probably eighty percent, seventy five to eighty percent of dishes that have been on before last season that we want to bring back because we thought they were so good. And they'd be like 25% of absolutely brand new dishes. So essentially, we always are. We always are got something new coming on, yeah. a new menu, but we don't want to overflow, uh, overload people with brand new stuff so they can't manage it. Yeah. So we want, we want similar, we also like similar techniques. So if someone changes, if we change a dish, that the actual technique, how we get to the end product, is familiar to people so they don't freak out they can they can relate to that and go all right so i did this two months ago and did it this way and then but i'm doing this and it actually connects i can see how it connects and it's a little bit easy for me to learn so we try to connect things with familiar ideas so when people do learn it they can learn a lot quicker and easier yeah interesting i think i think that's that that's all magic in the kitchen is is the interesting bit and i suppose going back to the team part you know they've got to fit within that rhythm within the temple of how you guys work and, and how they learn and like you're saying with that IQ, like assimilate into how you cook for the, the style of the owl and, and all this sort of stuff, which is quite yeah. interesting. And in, in terms of your menu, so, so you talked there about the theme of the owl, what, 
what would you want your average consumer to kind of think about here, you know, if they were looking to, to dine? Uh, so what we aim to be is uh, basically it's our, our, our ethos is mostly between get around game and fish. So whatever's really good in Yorkshire is mm-hmm. kind of what we look for. So like the game and fish we're in Yorkshire and we're always looking for Yorkshire products because we're a Yorkshire restaurant. So that, so that's like what we, that's like our, our core statement for yeah. the food from a kitchen point of view, from like a consumer point of view of what they're, what we would like them to think about our food is interesting, uh, uh, really tasty and really uh, craveable. They want to come back and try this yeah. it, and it exceeds their expectations. Like, you know, they, they get comfort from what they're getting, but they also a little bit, oh, I don't know how you did that. How'd you do that? So there's a there's a little bit of a wow factor. Yeah. So those are the kind of things what we aim for when people I, come. I came a couple of months ago for Sunday lunch with uh, Dan Wimmore. I best Sunday lunch ever. <laughs> I, was like, I, didn't, I didn't know Sunday lunches could be that good. Yeah. It, was, it was great. It was like... It was really good. That, but I kind of like the vibe here suits what I want from a restaurant as well. It's just where your settings and interior and stuff. And yeah, we try to be uh, comfortable and you know comfortable and cool. Really, it's kind of like yeah. quite, it's quite stripped back and like kind of industrially cool because yeah. this area. But we're trying to make it as comfortable as possible. So you don't come in, you feel stiff, you feel uncomfortable. We want people to come in and feel like they can relax and enjoy it. Yeah. If you relax, you will enjoy something more. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and the service was great. You know, it was testament. There was, there was nothing that I could have knocked at all. It was, it was really good. But I suppose, interesting, a bit like in my business, trying to get, you know, everything right in terms of what, what you guys think of the brand and stuff and the service and everything, what I find must be quite a head fuck for you is not just do you have to worry about the quality of the kind of kitchen, you've got to worry about staff in here, the customer experience in here, like, do they think it's cool? And- it's weird, isn't it? It's, 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 it's the, how it works is weird. So for instance, like, so I, a guest can be in here and we can be running around like absolute idiots in the back or in the front. And we can feel like, oh, it's, it's not going right. It's, it's, oh, it's just not right, working well tonight. And then someone, and then tables could be like, oh, the best ever, food was great. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I really enjoyed it, but you just don't feel it. Like you don't feel that, it's weird. So it's like the same thing. It's like somehow you can get trip advisors and you can have 10, five out of tens, yeah. you know, five out of five, sorry. Yeah. And then there's one or one, one star, one, two star, and that can just ruin your week. But you've had 10 reviews that are like perfect. Now, how does that, how do you, how does that happen? But we, you know, like it's, you say you tell yourself this all the time, like don't worry about it, you know, you're doing things right or whatever. But it just affects everyone. Like, yeah. It is weird. Like you would have thought like you just go, all right, so it's 99% great, 1% not great. Someone thinks it's not, the, not for them. Right, I'm happy with that. But oh, you, you just focus on the 1%. But it's, it's weird. I think that's the case having your own business though. Because yeah. like, I can have, we service, what, 200 customers, um, not more than that, actually, 300 customers twice a week, give or take. Um, but I'll have, say, say you were like, the driver was a dick or, or this was wrong. Or that will ruin my week. Yeah. So, but, but then I think it's because I want everyone who deals with us to think we're cool as fuck and we yeah. get it right. And in my head, I'm always You want it to get out. right every single time, but reality yeah. is you're never going to get it right every no. single time. You're in a service-based industry. It's like here, right? I could, I could deliver the perfect thing for me every single time. Yeah. But someone may want their, their, their steak cooked well done or whatever. And because we've done it perfectly for us, it's not perfect for them. Yeah. And you can't. But that goes back to what we originally talking about there. I think that's mindset. So what I've learned in dealing with people like yourself is 
is I've learned to go, it's not what I like, it's what you guys like, and I'm going to enjoy what you guys like. And I think that's a way to approach more interesting dining. Yeah. You know, if I want it how I want it, I'm going to go Mackey D's or yeah. I'm going to go Five Guys. But if I want an experience, then you just got to relinquish control. You know, I'm yeah. not going to tell the pilot how to fly the plane. You know, so it's, but that, I think if you take that mindset to sort of higher end dining, yeah, I think you'll have a great night. That, yeah. that to me is, you just, gotta, you just gotta relax and just enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, just, you have to be realistic what you're going to, you know, like if I go, if I go to McDonald's, I know what I'm getting. If I Absolutely. go to, if I go to Man Behind, I know what I'm getting. If I go to a freestyle, I know what I'm getting. And you know, like, I have I have levels of expectations for those places. There shouldn't yeah. be one level of expectation that fulfills every single thing. That's just unrealistic. But your levels of expectation of what you achieve, you're receiving, would change with what you're receiving yeah. because that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. But this is it, though. It's like the Sunday lunch analogy for me is great because I like I say one of the best Sunday lunches I've ever had here. And but prior to that, my mum's Sunday lunch is the best ever, and you're not going to cook the roasties. I say, so why have an expectation? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's you've got to allow that you guys know what you're doing, you've done a few years and, and you're pushing the boundaries. And I think that's an easy enjoyment out of being yeah. in nice places. And um, so where do you see the, the sort of menu going? You wanna, you've got anything that you've been working on that you're trying to push or? So we, <coughs> so our menu format base is staying the same. We, we're happy with what we are doing. We're always looking for new ingredients, uh, new, new propositions, new wines, new suppliers, new, new pairings. So don't see us really change anything too much. So like we've changed our menu around slightly in the sense of before. So like Monday, uh, weekdays, we're doing more a la carte based menu. So you can choose whatever you want with uh, set menus attached to it. Um, and then we do special events. But from a point, I mean, we're, we've just basically, we've just got our show Poutry off here, just up and going a lot better again. Yeah. So we, we've, we're working close with our butcher R&J and we're, Get a lot of salt aged meats, and then we send it back to get mints with our flavorings, and we get really nice uh, chorizo. So we're on chorizos now. I've got a really good chorizo uh, offering. Um, uh, the charcuterie's got a load of spec and other things we're working on. So it's more for us. It's more more of the same. Uh, trying to make everything more consistent, um, better quality. It's not really anything radically we need to change. We're really happy with what we're doing. You know, there's, there's always certain tweaks we want to do to things to make things a little bit better so like when we we're at the market we couldn't really do our own fresh bread we were right. buying it in but now we've got space to do our fresh bread which we keep kept the same yeah. you know before on a sunday we weren't really doing charcuterie but we took a time we took a step back we saw what does sunday need to be better what can we offer you know what time gaps in the menu in the so the dining experience what can we put in there that wouldn't that we could that can prove it and so we just had a little bit here and there to improve, we we don't we're not really going to radically change anything because we feel like the product's working really well and people really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely. So it's more for us, more of the same, uh, better quality ingredients, sourcing good ingredients, find out what's best at the uh, time of year. Um, you know, good in seasonings, better seasonings, what we can use. So like, that's why we use guys. So we try to get some of the Japanese seasons on things so it can improve dishes. Yeah. Um, we're not we're not stuck on. Something has to be something. It you know, is this there, is there's an ingredient that can make something better than we will use it. So we're always trying to develop new ideas, better ideas, improve what we have. So it's it's awesome. always a constant improvement. And where where are you finding your inspiration? Do do you have certain things that you go to for that, or is it just 
Uh, it's a combination of things, so, uh, you know, we could, you could, like, you could have, like, a prawn cocktail and go, right, I want to recreate the idea of a prawn cocktail. Yeah. I'm not sure how, but uh, I want to do that. And then you start picking apart and pick the ideas of what you like about the prawn cocktail, like the uh, the acidity, the tomatoes, the freshness, and then the brininess of the prawns. Like, how do I get that in a dish? That And then we'd work on that, evolve that into create something. And then, so for instance, like the the venison for RJ is like so, yeah. so good. So it's like, right, so we've got venison, right, what do we do with it? <coughs> what do we put with it to make the venison sing? And then we'll make a dish. So for instance, on the menu at the moment, we've got a uh, celeric burnt raspberries, home black pudding, venison with chocolate sauce. So it's like basically there's a combination of ideas, but it's it's based around venison and chocolate sauce yeah. with fruit, which is a classic combination so it's so it's taking something really good and and combining it with things so it's like it's a product product led dish yeah so there's idea led dishes which is like the prawn cocktail then there's product led dishes which is like the the venison and then sometimes what we like to i do i just i go and look at what other people's doing and if they've got a great idea then i i take it and think right do your spin I re- yeah how do i how do i reverse engineer this to make an owl dish it's a great idea what they're doing now how do i reverse engineer it to make an owl dish so yeah you know there's like and then sometimes we just take we just take classic dishes so for instance like we do a treacle tart so we'll take a treacle tart and we'll just we'll do it quite simply so for instance we do a treacle tart before and instead of using orange we see buck one so it's basically treacle tart we just changed the flavor slightly, but we kept it as similar to what it was as before. So we take, we took away the tart case because it can get us uh, wet. And then we just serve with like milk crumble and, and then sea buck form biscuit and then uh, sea buck form curd. So it's essentially, it's, it's, it's taking an idea and trying not to mess around too much. And then, and then, so it's like a simple idea. So we've got like ideas, um, product like dishes, reinvention of other people's ideas and then classic dishes so it's all yeah. those kind of like the four or five things how we how we work uh, about that simpleness that you're talking about in, in cyprus again isn't it like just, yeah. just taking those flavors and letting the yeah. flavors speak yeah exactly yeah. some 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 things some things will have like three items in the dish and it's really simple and it, that's what it needs and then some things that have slightly more and it's a bit more intricate so it makes it a bit more interesting but it, it's not really a case of I think, you know, one size fits all, you know, it's, it's, it's working out what you have and how you complement it best. Yeah. And what's your favorite dish that you'd say you knock out? Like, um, I mean, the dish that we always seem to get like the most amount of confidence on, I, I don't know why, but it's a, uh, we do like a sourdough crumpet with yeah. a, a cotro puree and wild boar jam. People just seem to go That's crazy it. for it. Yeah. Um, we literally had it on when we first opened the market. It was, it's off. For, it's not on the. We used to just do it for the snacks for everyone and on the grazing tray. It's now solely on the grazing tray, so you'd have to buy a grazing tray to try it. But um, yeah, so awesome. That's awesome. it's. It's quite simple, but that seems to be like everyone goes crazy for. And what? Uh, just going back to what we talked about before, so to your sort of journey, what got you into wanting to be a chef? Do you cook a lot at home with your folks, or? Yeah. So when I was when I was younger, my mum used to work a lot, and then I would spend time by my grand's house and then she would be like oh let's cook some stuff so i'd basically cook a lot of food with my grand and she kind of got me into it and i was like enjoyed it so and do you take any of those sort of 
those recipes from your childhood do you try and reinvent those a little bit or do spins on do you think that influences anything as you go forward or um i don't think so because a lot of the food we did was really comfort food so right. that's kind of what how she cooked so she's a bit older and she just like cook comfort food so she'd be like doing rice crispy cakes or she did call it cheese and potato pie but basically she basically put like layers of cheese and mash and <laughs> bake it Brilliant. i mean it tastes really good because it's cheese and potato yeah. but I don't, I it wasn't a pie, yeah. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing she's doing. So she wasn't, she wasn't really like the, the best, best cook in the sense of technically, but yeah. she was just really good. And she yeah, was really got you the nice. passion for it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool, man. I find it interesting to see whether like people's influences, I think are interesting as to how they're, cause it, in a weird way, if I look with a step back from that, I find chefing quite a strange job because you've got so many levels to it. You've got. Yeah. Bob just wants to work in a pub and knock out whatever brew his vet is knocking out, which I imagine is a lot of microwave thing yeah. and play type of thing. You've got the dudes at Mackey's, and then you go for all the way through to like your level and like Lisa and Swartz level, and I'm like, the, the passion meter is, is so grab, whereas working in an office, I kind of think is working in an office. Like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's weird. It's, I, I, I attune it to like being an athlete. Like, it's weird. It's like, you train every single day, you perform every single day, and you know, you're trying to find like 1% gains and 2% yeah. gains, and how do you make it better? Like, and then you've got performance every single day, and expectation is like pressure. You know, like someone comes into a restaurant and they expect a good meal, and the pressure of delivering, and the pressure of you know, it's all that training, though, isn't it? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it feels a bit like it feels like the it it relates more to like being an athlete or somehow that you're, you're literally having to perform and train. That's a good way to put it, yeah, yeah, yeah. expectation of it. I just, I find the spectrum so vast versus any other job I've sort of seen in terms of yeah. level of give a fuck as well, you know. Yeah. It's, it's so, so, so strange. But then equally I find in, in my side of the, the restaurant trade, in terms of supplies, you know what, I'm drawn more to supplying people like yourself and Liz and things, but then it's, how do you make money at that? How do you how do you just keep focus on those ingredients? Whereas actually the money is me finding a Green King pub and knocking out all the baguettes. Yeah, you know, in terms of volume, but it doesn't that does absolutely nothing for me. Well, the thing is though, it's like everything. It's like eighty percent, twenty percent, isn't it? Absolutely. You have to love. You know, everyone. People who are naive think they have to love their, their job hundred percent, and you know, a perfect world. You know, I'd love that. Yeah. But there's there's always things that you have to do to compromise what you're doing to pay for the bigger. Yeah, bigger thing. So yeah, I like so, so, yeah, you know, we have people come in, they drink, and they just order oysters or whatever, and we just say, yeah, that's fine. But you know, like it's not what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to you want to offer them the best version of what you do and the most expansive. So you know, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to do it. Yeah. To pay for the the bit that you really want to do. No, it's, it's a good way to look at. And have you, have you found the booze thing? Is that quite new for you, like moving into the wines and understanding all that? Or uh, we, <coughs> Yes and no. We had a focus on it for since we opened home. Um, we always like, this is a food and wine-led business. You know, we want to do wine pairings. We, at home, we just did tasting menus. It was like, it's going to be a tasting menu and it's going to be paired with wine. And that's what we're going to do. And then we opened the market and we were like, all right, we're going to do ales and it's going to be like a choose what you want and 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 uh come in and you know you can have anything what we found with that was that one the problem with that is there was people weren't really up to speed like 
it was just about happening down at Borough Market where people go to the markets and they go and get some cool food and cool drinks yeah, yeah. and whatever. And they understood it, you know. And But up in Leeds, they weren't quite up in it yet. And so it was like, oh, my table's a bit close. Or oh, why do I have to get off my table? Or oh, why, why? I don't want to sit at the bar. I want to sit here. Yeah. You know, like, there, was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of like, oh, the walls are made of wood. Why, why are you in the market and all this? And yeah. it's like... And, it, and for us, yeah, for us, it was a really cool venue, really cool, cool food and all this. But but a lot of people came in that it, it took it took a while to, to educate them that it is cool. Um, so so the, what happened was basically, so we were doing the beer and the food. And then we were like, all right, we want to add a few more wines. So we did a more expansive wine list to go along with food alongside the beer. And then COVID happened and it was like, all right, so we're going to have to reassess what we do here. Sure. So we did... Uh, our home boxes and that was really good for us so it just it gave us a, a revenue stream which was like tick we need that to survive and then but then it was the secondary benefit was the fact that it was just advertising us to everywhere yeah so we were selling like i don't know like 200 boxes a week and we had like, yeah we did we we'd had like we had two different kinds of boxes but like our premium box at like 100 pounds and then like our everyday box and people were buying them every week and was and then we had we had deliveries to DPD, so it was going from, you know, Scotland all the way down. So we had that. So it was great advertising. Uh, so then during lockdown, we had time to like reassess, like, what do we do? And then we wanted, we we basically knew that we wouldn't be able to have as many drinkers in because the rules. Yeah, yeah. So we just kind of stripped back our beer offering at, um, at the at the hour on the market. And then we started to replace a bit more wine. Um, and then when this place came up, we, we assessed it again. It's like, well, you know, we're going to use Australia because they're our brand ambassador. We're in brand ambassadors of them and we, we believe in what they do. But we were using Northern Monk at the market. And unfortunately, I was like, well, what's the point of us selling Northern Monk when Northern Monk refectory is 200 meters away? It's like, yeah. well, it's, just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So, so we just added a few more wines. So we already work with really good wine suppliers at home and here. So we use a lot of really local stuff so we use this company called vince ramos that are based in leeds they're right. biodynamic we use them for basically ever for all the time we've been trading and they're really good and then we just added a few more uh people to them. so like another brand we use a lot of is a uh, gooseborne which is an english-based sparkling so we just started adding to our collection is that being quite a journey for you? were you quite interested in wine when you got into chefing or, or is that just being an add-on that you've had to like figure out and learn and... yes yeah, kind of an add-on I, I, <clears throat> I, I did generally didn't drink too much wine when i was younger but you know it's like everything it's like blue cheese you know yeah. first time you have it you know like i don't like this but then you start requiring acquiring a taste for it so the same with the wine i wasn't too into it but then as as it became part and part and parcel of what we're doing and more Good on the rabbit hole. Yeah, like, like I, 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 I'm like, I need to know what we're selling. I need to know what we're doing. So even if I'm not the biggest expert on it, I need to know that things are being done the way I want it to and that we understand yeah. exactly what we're doing. So you have to have a, a level of knowledge that uh, you yeah. basically know kind of what you're doing. Again, it's just like like going back to that, you know, managing from the house. Again, that's just another yeah. portion of managing things and you need to be an expert on, I suppose, and stuff. It's quite, quite inspiring to, to sort of keep all that orchestra going. Yeah, um, across all. I mean, like, like I said, we we hire really good people, so we're really happy with our front of house team, and we're really happy with our kitchen team. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you still as much as you trust people, you still need to know it. You can't direct people the way you want to go if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, true. So, so true. I, I need to know 
kind of where we want to go. Like I kind of you give people like outlines of what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, and then and then they come back with ideas, and you can go right. We like this. We're going to work on this one like this. Yeah. So the same thing. So we have a, a couple of wines that are basically exclusive to um, the Owl and uh, Home. Awesome. So we work with Vince Ramos, and he gives a standard Riesling. It's like I think it's only like two places in England that have it, and we're basically to them. Awesome. And so. And I'm like, all right, seeing this online, this wine, and it went with this, and it's really good. If you've got anything similar, like, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've got this and this. I'll bring you a sample and we can try it. And then we did, and I'm like, oh, that's great. So we go from there. So sometimes I, don't, I may not be the most, the biggest expert on things, but if yeah. these things I like, and I'm like, I, I kind of want to do this. And, and then we have experts around us. So, like, the Robert Vince Ramos is like an expert. And yeah, can that's, help the, us. that's the key, though. Like, I find yeah. that not having people around that. Yeah. It's taken me a stupid amount of time to figure that out because I'm a bit dumb, but actually they're, they're invaluable, you know, for different yeah. things. Like if you came to me and asked me something about um, like MSG type ingredients, I know jack shit about gastronomy, I'm halfway through a book on it, but I've got a guy who's really good that I go yeah. to and go, okay, Mark's asked me for X um, and he'll recommend that yeah. I don't want a complete dummy. But then we try and be honest with that as well. I'm like, oh, I don't really know what I'm talking about with this. Um, I think that, that helps. But yeah, it's that expert thing, I think. Else. Yeah, you can't be. I don't think you can be expert at everything because well, it's really hard. Yeah, it's but fun. you want to be expert in the things you do. But you also need a little base bit of knowledge on the things that you're not expert in, so you're able to direct and help absolutely get where you want. And are you finding customer wise, do you get a lot of returning business here? Yeah, I mean, well? from from the point from the start when we from home until now, our, our return business is is uh, really high. Like we. We think champion customers are essential to every business. Yeah, so, um, we think, you know, like it, we will make sure that we go above and beyond expectation of people to come. If you've been here before, you know, we're always looking to offer them something back. Um, you know, like we do guinea pig nights and whatever, and it's like you're you're going to get the first refusal on that. You know, uh, if we if we if we are a little bit low in the week or something, we're like, all right, we got we got. A drinks on us off we're going off to people let's let's give it to the let's send it to our priority list the people been more times and and we'll give them the first refusal of things priority on things you know like drinks on us other stuff we can um you know make them feel special and want to come back and and then generally like they're doing our marketing for us yeah yeah, they're, yeah yeah they're champion customers tell everyone how great we are so it's it's been something we've been like really worked on from the get-go Awesome. how to get champion customers and how to keep them yeah oh no no i think i think you're right it's same same for our business is based on that that's that's all we're after really well listen well listen i know, I know you've thanks for your time today you've got some awesome cooking do around show some dishes and stuff but um people can get you on instagram the owl on instagram anywhere else yeah the owl uh owl leads at instagram um i'm marco and chef at instagram something like that yeah there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, mate. Yeah, I love working with you, pal. Like, looking forward to working with you in the future. And yeah, keep keep doing you. Come try Mark's food. And yeah, cool. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thank you for joining us on another Chef Life podcast. I've been your host, Alistair. If you'd like to learn more about our business, uh, you can visit us at www.cottagefoodsltd.com. Uh, Give us a follow and a like on Instagram and we'll see you soon. Thanks.